David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 10.07 a.m. It is Monday the 13th. Imagine that, Monday the 13th of May 2019. This is episode... 96 of Bitcoin and, and let's just jump right into the mix of this thing. Um, Blockstream has a pretty big announcement, man. Uh, how to mesh, mesh the world. Go Tenna Mesh plus TX Tenna plus Blockstream satellites. I mean, guys, you knew it was coming sooner or later. Uh, this is from In the Mesh by Richard Myers, and he... Uh, released this it appears like you know i think this came out uh saturday or something like that anyway it says a common type of question i get when talking about mesh networks concerns how we could ever create a truly decentralized world-spanning mesh network how would you route messages through sparsely populated areas over high mountains or across oceans doesn't routing between millions of mesh nodes quickly become an intractable problem and require large amounts of computation and storage on your mesh device. Centralized commercial networks solve that problem of traversing long distances with specialized infrastructure like microwave relays, undersea cables, and satellite links. The internet solves the routing problem with hierarchical IP addresses, peering agreements, and network meeting points, among other protocols and systems. One answer to this question is that we do not need to abandon abandon centralized networks entirely to get the benefits of decentralized alternatives. A local mesh network can relay critical information to the edge of a disabled or censored centralized network when nothing else will. Gateways between centralized and centralized, decentralized and centralized networks can also provide an added layer of privacy similar to Tor exit nodes on the internet. The Tor protocol routes encrypted internet traffic anonymously through multiple relays to hide the location of the person sending or receiving data. Tor exit nodes are the gateways to the rest of the internet outside the Tor relay network. Gateways that connect different decentralized networks are another way to expand the reach of mesh networks. For example, a gateway between mobile devices using the Gotenna mesh network and fixed community mesh networks like those of the Althea mesh or the NYC mesh projects would be one way to achieve internet access without directly using a centralized internet connection. Blockstream and Gotenna recently announced a project that provides an excellent demonstration of how a gateway between different networks can leverage the benefits of both. The TX-Tenna-Python project integrates a Gotenna mesh device with an off-grid Bitcoin full node connected to the Blockstream BlockSat satellite system. What this means for users is that they will be able to receive blockchain data to confirm transactions via satellite 
and send new signed transact- Bitcoin transactions via the GoTenna Mesh network without ever having a direct internet connection. This enhances transaction privacy and provides an alternative transaction channel when there's a natural disaster or other type of outage that typically would leave Bitcoin users or merchants unable to operate. The new version of TX10 Python also relays API data received from the Blockstream satellites to nearby mesh nodes. With Blockstream's API data system, anyone with an internet connection can anonymously send encrypted messages via satellite to receivers almost anywhere on Earth. All paid for by confidential micropayments using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. My God. With TX10 of Python, this API data is rebroadcast over the mesh network to to computers without satellite receivers. In this way, a single satellite receiver can provide uncensored information with a much larger group of people in a local area. The TX10 of Python project is an example of how a gateway can join together two decentralized systems, a world-spanning satellite broadcast network and a local mesh radio network. This combination provides reach, resiliency, and privacy benefits that centralized services cannot offer. A satellite gateway capable of sending arbitrary data makes it possible for mesh networks to communicate across mountains and oceans, while at the same time a mesh network connected connection expands the local reach of an off-grid satellite receiver and provides a resilient and private alternative communication link to the rest of the world. Nice. Freaking nice. Uh, again, this is this is where you start operating on the edge and stuff like this is inevitable. It is inevitable that this was going to happen. And the next thing, you know, you throw uh, Rodolfo Novak into the mix with sending uh, just you know, raw radio transactions across uh, uh, ham radios and other type radio equipment. And man, I mean, it just becomes kind of unstoppable. I mean, you can, as a government regulatory agency, I suppose there could be some retardation of how this progress, how things progress. But when, you know, when you start looking to the edge, uh, you find the, the, you know, I guess in a way exit doors are always on the edge of anything that's centralized. I mean, there's not a door leading outside in the middle of your house. The door that leads out is always on the edge. What's next? Let's see. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Running, uh, running a Bitcoin full node on your smartphone. Uh, tweets Tur Demister, and this is in response to uh, this is the blockcrypto.com, May eleventh, twenty nineteen. HTC releases smartphone with Bitcoin full node capabilities. Uh, Taiwanese electronics company HTC announced today that it will be releasing a new smartphone. The Exodus 1S that will have a that will have full node capabilities for the Bitcoin blockchain. Having the full blockchain stored will allow users to be able to verify transactions through their device. At the Magical Crypto Conference, Phil Chen, decentralized chief officer uh, at HTC, noticed that the company wanted to build something on top of Bitcoin architecture. Quote, we want to do something more on the software side. How do we contribute more to secure the network? End quote. HTC plans to launch the device by Q3. And while the exact price has not been not yet been finalized, the price is expected to range between $250 and $300 US. That, that's entry-level shit right there. 
The Exodus 1S will be the first smartphone to ever have full node capabilities. Phil Chin noted, quote, we gave users the ability to use their own keys, and now we've gone one step further to allow users to run their own full node. We are democratizing access to the technology for a free world. <laughs> just love this stuff. How can you just not smile? Uh, stock trader Christopher uh, Wheeler is... Uh, tweeting uh, off the chain merchandise.com. Apparently, uh, it is either, oh, this is a, a Pompliano, I guess. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, this is Pomp. I survived the 2018 bear market t shirt is on sale at Pomp's uh, merchandise store for $24.99. Nice. I like merch. I won't wear Bitcoin merch because I might as well just wear a t-shirt that says, please kidnap me. <laughs> but for all you guys that like wearing merch, yeah, Pomp's got, Pomp's got a new shirt out, I guess. Uh, let's see here. What else is going on? Microsoft launches decentralized identity tool on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Um, let's get into this one from uh, Lee Kuhn. She wrote this uh, today. Microsoft is launching the first decentralized infrastructure implementation by a major tech company that is built directly on Bitcoin. The open source project called Ion deals with the underlying mechanics of how networks talk to each other. For example, if you log into Airbnb using Facebook, a protocol deals with the software that sends the personal information from your social profile to that external service provider. In this case, Ion handles the decentralized identifiers which control the ability to prove you own the keys to this data. Christopher Allen, a crypto veteran and the co-founder of World Wide Web Consortium, Working Group for Decentralized Identity Solutions told Coindesk that Microsoft move could impact the entire tech industry. Quote, a lot of enterprise infrastructures use Microsoft products. So if they integrate this into any of their infrastructure projects, they'll have access to DID. Indeed, <clears throat> York Rhodes, a program manager on site Microsoft's blockchain engineering team, told Coindesk that Microsoft team has been working for a year on a key signing and validation software that relies on public networks like Bitcoin or Ethereum, yet can handle far greater throughput than the underlying blockchain itself, underscoring the fact that Microsoft was a founding member of the Decentralized Identity Foundation. Rhodes said, quote, there are systems that we have at Microsoft that give you permissions in an enterprise context, a product called Active Directory, that we think need needs to be able to recognize these DIDs as well. Holy shit, that's freaking huge. I'm going to stop right there. Active Directory is a, on the enterprise scale for like, you know, I used to work at Texas Tech University Library and all the computers, all of them were managed through Active Directory. So if Active Directory gets this DID, then you would literally be able to set up any user like at, at Texas Tech, um, actually, it wasn't even just the library. I mean, all the computers everywhere were, were at one point or another connected to uh, Active Directory. So that means that we would be able to give students, faculty, and staff we, uh, uh, access to this at the user level when they log in to their computer. This is, I don't know, this may be a lot bigger than we think. I'm not a big fan of Microsoft, but it is what it is. Uh, continuing on, he added such infrastructure pro products and services related to Azure are among the Microsoft's most popular offerings. 
this tiny piece in a giant machine then could have far-reaching impacts. No kidding, man. Meanwhile, an anonymous source with knowledge of Microsoft's project told Coindesk that Ion will shift from using Bitcoin's testnet to the Bitcoin mainnet later this year. As such, any tech-savvy observer could run a node and contribute to this project. <clears throat> said W3C's Allen, quote, to have Microsoft say that they are not scared of Bitcoin. And in fact, it has some very good properties and we are willing to take advantage of those properties is, I think, a step in the right direction, end quote. Stepping back, the difference between D- a DID under the hood versus current infrastructure speaks to the heart of users owning their own content and access. In the example of Facebook and Airbnb with a DID, Facebook might be able to shut down your social media account, but could not revoke access to all the tools that relied on the Facebook ID to log in. Plus, all those personal photos on Facebook would belong to the user, the holder of the DID. Yet Facebook in particular may not align with Microsoft's approach. Another anonymous source told Coindesk, that although Facebook has been invited to participate in Microsoft's DID projects and community efforts, so far the social media company has declined and instead continued to follow its historic approach to user data. Quote, they're going in a different direction that's not as decentralized, the source said to Facebook, or the source said of Facebook. The Wall Street Journal and others have reported that Facebook is looking to build a stablecoin-based payments platform for the social network, yet Allen said he hasn't seen any effort from Facebook to support DID standards or community efforts such as W3C, which may create a rift with corporations like Microsoft that are making such standards a core pillar of their business model. Reuven Heck, head of DID at Consensus, an active member of the W3C told Coindesk that Facebook is noticeably absent from community discussions across the tech industry industry about DIDs. And although Rhodes said he was not aware of any dealings with Facebook, there was clearly a misalignment between the two companies' goals for using blockchain technology. Quote, Facebook is the complete antithesis of consumer privacy. Their business model is based on the fact they can monetize data about you. End quote. What's more, U.S. Senate Banking Committee last week wrote a letter to Facebook that voiced concerns about how the social media company will handle financial data with its crypto project, which is codenamed Libra. Few details about Libra have been shared to date outside the press reports. In the past, Allen said that Facebook only implemented parts of protocols that enabled data sharing in a proprietary way that only benefited Facebook. With regards to the approach of what, sorry, with regards to what approach the social media giant will take to blockchain systems, a Facebook spokesperson told Coindesk, quote, like many other companies, Facebook is exploring ways to leverage the power of blockchain technology. This new small team is exploring many different applications. We don't have anything further to share. Uh, In contrast to the allegations that Facebook is taking a different direction with its project, both Consensus and Microsoft are opting to make open source initiatives core pillars of their respective business models. Quote, if we can create certain standards, it will help the system to build up faster, and that's good for all of us. The different products we have are all useful across the space and not built into some proprietary niche, Hex said. 
Rhodes agrees with this approach, saying that engaging with the open source ecosystem serves Microsoft's business objectives. He said the philosophy of consumer ownership and consumer centricity are core principles for designing Microsoft software going forward. Allen said he hopes a sense of public responsibility will continue to be viewed as a competitive advantage, especially as Microsoft Azure goes head-to-head with Amazon Web Services for cloud market share. Quote, you could have a service that is in the cloud hosted by Microsoft Azure, <clears throat> but it ab- but is absolutely secure because everything in it is encrypted with your keys that you control and everything that run under your ther- authority, even though it's in the cloud, end quote, uh, said Alan. In Rhodes' opinion, current experiments with blockchain technology are comparable to Microsoft releasing Windows 95 in decades past, which helped boost mainstream internet usage through consumer-oriented operating system. Network stacks were very tied to logins to existing networks, Rhodes said of a pre-Windows 95 internet. Like that, I think ION is pretty significant. So yeah, man, if, if... if they do put this in Microsoft's Active Directory, then it's going to be really, really, really simple for very large-scale institutions to um, essentially al- allow people access to the Bitcoin blockchain under their user control as they log into a machine. That that by itself is something that that is just making me kind of rubberneck on. Uh, next up is Bitfinex CTO says the company successfully raised nearly $1 billion in a private token sale. God, this is today. Paolo Arduino, the CTO of Beleaguer Crypto Change Bitfinex, confirmed on Twitter that the firm has raised nearly $1 billion in USDT and USD from a private token sale. The issuance of the exchange tokens, dubbed LEO, was planned to cover the $850 million currently frozen in several accounts controlled by the payment processing company Crypto Capital. Not your keys, not your coin. That goes for exchanges as well. Which is at the heart of a recent court order issued by the New York Attorney General's office against the firm. The NYAG alleges that Bitfinex commingle client funds and borrow money from sister company Tether to cover up the seized funds. As for the sale, the firm was able to close the sale of tokens in 10 days, issuing to large private investors. The firm only planned to open the sale to the public if there were any was any allocation left. Arduino, Arduino said. <clears throat> Quote, private companies, giants in our industry and outside made investments for over $100 million each. A legion of inside and outside users made investments for over $1 million each. Arduino thinks that Bitfinex was able to raise as much because private investors consider Bitfinex to be trustworthy and because, quote, they want us to keep fighting for the industry whole. Arduino said the firm still has a small number of tokens left to sell, hinting that it might offer those in a public sale. Quote, there is a small allocation left and we prefer to share to small, oh, that we uh, prefer to share with small investors until there, until there is time. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of stumbling over this one. It's kind of a poorly written sentence. We have a request from a few big buyers to buy the few millions left once we close it, but we believed it's more fair to give opportunity to a larger audience, end quote. Arduino said that 
the firm, which has long been plagued by banking issues, wants to become more transparent about its business. We're working with Tether to make our banking more transparent, he wrote. So take that with, you know, whatever you want to take it with. But uh, raising $1 billion to to cover lost funds and doing it that fast is kind of scary, but it's also kind of freaking impressive, man. I mean, I, I got to admit, that's, that's damn Damn, that's all I can say. Okay, so this is now just, you know, basically coming out. Um, and there's kind of a few stories about this. Um, this is out of uh, CryptoSyringe.com. eBay to accept Bitcoin? New York adverts hint at huge mainstream breakthrough. eBay is readying, readying support for virtual currencies and digital collectibles if new pro- promotional adverts are to be believed. Spotted at the Consensus Conference in New York, the banner suggests eBay is about to enter the cryptocurrency arena in what would be a major mainstream breakthrough. The images first leaked on Telegram channel, Patrons of the Moon, have yet to be confirmed by eBay, but if they are legit, it could open up cryptocurrencies to 180 million active buyers. God, the floodgates. The bidding marketplace may also be eyeing the digital collectibles market made famous by CryptoKitties in late 2017. Potential of digital collectibles was made real by Ethereum for the first time offering a platform for truly unique, one-of-a-kind digital assets. As a hub of as a hub for collectible items and auctions, eBay is a natural mainstream platform for the future of digital collect collectibles. While there is no official statement on its crypto plans, the marketplace has been widely linked to Bitcoin payment gateway Utrust. Utrust hired former eBay and PayPal executive Sanja Khan as VP of Global Partnerships in 2018. So a partnership between Utrust and eBay would be a logical conclusion. In a statement at the time, Utrust said, quote, Sanja's experience at PayPal and eBay makes her the perfect person to help Utrust drive merchant adoption of our crypto payments platform. We anticipate that she will be a key driver in elevating Utrust brand in the crypto commerce space and ultimately the future of online payments industry. The e-commerce marketplace has an has had an eye on crypto payments since the tail end of 2017. At the time, senior vice president of eBay Americas, Scott Cutler, said the company was seriously considering adopting Bitcoin payments. Quote, this is a trend that everybody is talking about, but sadly at eBay, we don't currently accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. We're seriously considering it as these cryptocurrencies become more of a mainstream payment instrument, but we're not quite there yet, end quote. The e-commerce giant's surprising reveal isn't the only major news from Consensus. New York crypto payment startup Flexa hinted at partnership with Starbucks, Nike, and Bed and Bath and Beyond Bed Bath and Beyond at the conference. The startup is launching its app at Monday's consensus event. So we'll have to see what, what comes out of that. Uh, Backed. Yeah, Backed is in the news again. Um, they're, they're signaling July for the, for the ETF. So let's see what uh, Kelly Loeffler has to say. Uh, in our recent post, Backed COO Adam White laid out our custody roadmap and how secure digital asset storage is central to our strategy. Today, we're pleased to update you on the launch of Bitcoin futures contracts developed by Backed in collaboration with Ice Futures US and Ice Clear US. We've worked closely with the CFTC to develop contracts that both meet our customers' needs for trading, transparency, and market certainty, and are also compliant with federal regulations. 
customers active in crypto markets and still waiting to get in, <clears throat> or and many still waiting to get in, have voice had have had a voice in shaping the design of the initial product offering. As detailed in the Ice Futures U.S. filing with the CFTC today, Bitcoin futures will be listed on a federally regulated futures exchange in the coming months. In conjunction with our exchange and clearing partners at ICE, we'll be working with our customers over the next several weeks to prepare for user acceptance using UAT. Or I'm sorry, (laughs) prepare for user acceptance testing for futures and custody, which we expect to start in July. We'll provide more details in upcoming posts, but we expect to use UAT to ensure that customers have time to onboard and contest the trading and custody model we've built in, built to their satisfaction. The new Bitcoin futures contracts have been shaped by our conversations with stakeholders and offer unique trading security and risk management features. Okay, those features are one, two futures contracts will be listed. A daily settlement Bitcoin future, which will enable customers to transact in a same-day market, and a monthly Bitcoin futures contract will enable trading in the front month and across the forward pricing curve. Hmm. Two, price formation in these benchmark contracts will be supported by proven tools to detect abusive or disruptive trading practices, including wash trades. That means that the settlement price on ICE Futures US will be based on prices discovered in our physical delivery contra- contracts without relying on unregulated cash markets. The fu- uh, Three, <clears throat> the futures contracts will be margined by ICE Clear US, including the collection of initial margin collateral and variation margin to manage risk. This approach is consistent with capital-efficient risk management practices in global futures markets, ranging from oil and gold to interest rates and equity index futures for BACT will contribute $35 million U.S. into the clearinghouse risk waterfall. This puts our own skin in the game. <laughs> Damn, to live just gets everywhere. Uh, and aligns our interest for market integrity and safety with market participants. Five, for physical delivery and secure storage of Bitcoin, an integrated custody service will be fulfilled by BACT's qualified custodian. Subject to regulatory approval, safekeeping will be supported by insurance, cybersecurity, and comprehensive compliance, including an anti-money laundering program and blockchain analytics. Wow. As we also shared last week, we're working with the New York State Department of Financial Services to become a trust company and operate as a qualified custodian for digital assets alongside our CFTC-regulated futures products. That work continues and will enable custody for delivery of Bitcoin futures. Closing out, I'll note that our team continues to expand at BACT. We recently welcomed Mark Danuzo. On board as our general counsel, Mark's breadth and depth of experience, which enable, includes securities law, MA, and international regulatory matters in the payments industry is truly impressive. He will lead our management of legal, regulatory compliance, and governance matters at the company. Mark was most recently with the Atlanta office of Alston & Bird, where he practiced in its payments group. So there you go. Back is coming. It's probably going to be here around July. Uh, yeah. Things are looking good, <clears throat> and they're looking even better because Bitcoin comes to Whole Foods, major retailers, and coup for digital currency, and this is out of fortune. Uh, Jeff John Roberts released, uh, released this little tidbit today at 10 a.m., and let's get into, yeah, let's get into this one. 
Since its arrival 10 years ago, cryptocurrency has struggled to enter mainstream commerce. This could soon change thanks to a new initiative announced on Monday that will reportedly see big-name retailers, including Crate and Barrel, Nordstrom, and Amazon-owned Whole Foods, now accept Bitcoin and three other types of digital money. The retail initiative comes via a partnership between Flexa, a payment startup, and Gemini, the Winklevosses. Or, sorry, the Winklevi owned uh, digital currency company. It works by piggybacking on the digital scanners that many big retailers use to accept phone based payments from their apps and from digital wallets like Apple Pay. What Flexa has done is to persuade the retailers, which also include Regal Cinemas, GameStop, and Baskin Robbins, to configure their scanners to recognize payments from this cryptocurrency app, which is called Spedin. S P E D N. I guess that's a, a biddle and a hodl reference. The customer simply holds up their app to pay. The store cashier will typically be unaware that the customer is paying with crypto while the merchant receives a real-time payment in the form of their choosing crypto or dollars. I was initially skeptical when the Winklevi twins, or Winklevi, enjoyed credibility in the Bitcoin realm. Merchants have by and large shunned cryptocurrency because of its volatility and its popularity with cyber criminals. The app, however, appears to work as advertised. This weekend, I tried it by downloading a test version of Spedin and transferring $10 worth of Bitcoin to it. Next, I went to a Baskin Robbins in my neighborhood and bought a small coffee by scanning the app. It worked. Next, I went to Starbucks, another partner in the project, but an unofficial one, and bought a banana. That worked too. In each case, the app adjusted the amount of Bitcoin in my wallet. <laughs> this is great. Oh, the first widespread low friction opportunity for consumers to shop with cryptocurrency. This is potentially a big deal. The Spedin app uh, lets users spend four types of crypto, Bitcoin, Bcash, Ethereum, and a so-called stable coin called a Gemini dollar, which is pegged to the value of one US dollar and backed by banking giant State Street. Over the years, some merchants have tried accepting Bitcoin, but many eventually abandoned it, in part because of a slow process of slow processing times on cryptocurrency networks. Meanwhile, for consumers, using cryptocurrency as an everyday payment mechanism has proved impractical because of crypto's volatility. A wallet with $100 worth of Bitcoin at the start of the week may be worth only 80 by week's end or 500 in the next hour after that or whatever. That, that's me talking. Yes, this stuff is volatile. Get used to it. It won't be that way forever, people. It won't. Trust me. It may take a while, but it won't be this way forever. But this time around, merchants may <clears throat> be more comfortable offering crypto payment because the scanner system provides an easy way to accept them and because Flexa offers a real-time network to clear the transactions. Gemini takes care of the back-end operations and the merchant typically, re typically receives cash equivalent or whatever crypto amount the consumer paid. According to Flexa CEO Tyler Spaulding, the appeal for merchants is a chance to lower the commission fees they pay to existing payment networks. Spaulding, who is a veteran of the gift card exchange service Raise, added that crypto payments also offers stores a way to experiment with new types of blockchain-based customer rewards. Fortune contacted six of the retailers participating in the Flexa service, including Whole Foods, and none of them provided a comment. According to a per person familiar with the project who spoke on condition of anonymity, the reason for the silence is because the crypto payments are still an experiment and retailers don't want to discuss them until they gain a better understanding 
of the technology and consumer demand on the consumer side, the Flexa system opens the door to an easy way to spend crypto at stores around them. This doesn't mean, though, that more than a handful of people will actually do this, especially given that other payment methods work perfectly well. But there is also the volatility issue. The value of Bitcoin in my Spedden app has jumped around about 5% today alone, which is fine for an investment, but not for a day-to-day payment tool. According to the Winklevi, the volatility problem can be mitigated by using the Gemini dollar, which is pegged, to keep its value very close to one U.S. dollar. In an interview with Fortune, they predicted Flex's ease of use combined with the stability of the Gemini dollar will lead to more widespread use, especially among the growing number of people who ex- appreciate the technology behind cryptocurrency. Quote, the idea of living on crypto is now a reality. You can now do it, said Tyler Winklevoss. For the consumer, it amounts to being crypto conscious. It's like being green, end quote. Meanwhile, Flex's Spalding told Fortune the company will provide developer kits to other companies that want to incorporate the scanner payment technology into their own apps. For now, it is too soon to say if big-name merchants who signed on this week, other names include Petco, Lowe's, and Office Depot, will still be taking uh, taking the payments this time next year. But given the history of crypto payments, this week's announcements feels like a breakthrough. It kind of does. It kind of does. All right, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Your face ripping vitals brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. Bitcoin is at an average price of $7,803.62. It's going to be hard to find the low here. Hold on for a sec. It looks like the low is going to be over at Bitfinex at 7,690 and the high is going to be at Simex at 7,847. 362,500 transactions over the last 24 hour hours are giving um, 15,100 transactions per hour on average. 1.3 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours and that is 56 1,802 BTC sent per hour. 3.76 BTC are being sent uh, at the 3.76 BTC is the average transaction value while the median transaction is 0.046 or about 358 USD. Block time is low. God, can you wonder why? Eight minutes, 31 seconds. Uh, 0.593 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. And 100.24 BTC have been taken overall in fees over the last 24 hours. We're at 52.2 exahashes per second with a gain of 15% hash rate in the last 24 hours. My God, everything's face ripping today, man. Uh, Last GitHub commit was on the 10th. This actually may be the longest I've seen uh, something not being updated to the... uh, to the core code from left to right. Ethereum is 202 B cash is 376. Litecoin is 90 and 22 cents. Wow. BSV is 59. Ethereum classic is six and a quarter. Dogecoin is 0.0028. And I wish I could tell you that, that Dogecoin is walking all over both B cash and BSV, but I can't B cash has got 60,000 transactions. BSV has 37 
Uh, God, anyway, so those are your vital statistics for the day. And because of all the face ripping going on today, I thought I'd choose a song that best represented Countdown to Blast Off. Yeah, that's 
Looks like Marty is talking about Brad Sherman, our our favorite uh, Bitcoin shill representative over there at, at Congress. Let's see what Marty has to say for Friday, May the 10th, 2019, issue number 481. Brad Sherman, the best Bitcoin shill? <laughs> uh, let's see what Marty has to say about this. And in case some of you freaks missed it yesterday afternoon, Brad Sherman, the rep from California who has held office for 22 years, came out begging his fellow reps to co-sponsor a bill with him that would ban the sale, purchase, use of cryptocurrencies in Merca, land of the free. During his relatively short minute and change plea for help, our boy Brad highlighted just how convoluted the United States dollar system is. In just 72 seconds, this tenured politician bankrolled by a number of banks explained how the U.S. weaponizes the United States dollar against other countries in an attempt to maintain its grasp on the status as a global robocop and final ruler on who can transact with who, clearly outlining the reasons why an apolitical soulless money with no ability to be controlled by any one entity or banking cartel would be appealing to the citizens of the world who are subjected to the weaponization of the dollar, pushing people lightly towards a natural line of questions like, hey, why do we want to put up with this? Why does money work this way again? And Bitcoin undermines this thing that makes my life wor worse off. Spoon feeding red pills to the world via C-SPAN. Incredible time to be alive. But Uncle Marty, you sound like some Jane Fonda-esque trader bitch for, <laughs> for attempting to undermine the U.S. dollar's role as the reserve currency of the world. Eh, I don't think so. In my honest opinion, Bitcoin is one of the most American things that exists on the planet, and America is becoming less American by the day as we drift further and further away from July 4th, 1776. Entropy exists. This should probably be expected. Bitcoin's free and open nature aligns perfectly with the ethos of the founding fathers who freed themselves from the tyranny of King George III. It cements the principles of free speech, free commerce this country was forced on or founded on, in code controlled by no one entity. There is nothing more American than that. Unfortunately, centuries of persistent pressures from special interests from across the spectrum has, has forced our government to point to a point of centralization that I don't believe is sustainable in the long run without very draconian measures. This centralization has also produced a financial system that relies on protecting the dollar at all costs, which has meant expanding the money base by more than 5x. In a little less than a decade, we are fighting wars both overt and proxy across the planet to maintain this dominance, increasing our military expenditure, spending our army far and spreading our army far and wide and supplying countries that have attacked our own soil with weapons and money to keep in good standing with them, lest they decide not to force other countries to convert their currencies to USD before purchasing their oil. It's pretty disgusting if you ask me. Bitcoin presents a beautiful opportunity to get away from this system. Instead of a world built on wars and geopolitical chess matches driven by the need to protect the dominance of the world reserve currency, killing millions and displacing more, we concede this control to the globally distributed Bitcoin network and focus on more worthwhile endeavors. This is why we Bitcoin freaks. Final thought, 
I wish I still got as jacked up for my birthday as little kids do for theirs. Young Marty birthday hype was pure. Enjoy your weekend, freaks. Happy birthday, Mart. The Daily Train Wreck is brought to you by theblockcrypto.com. Tron Chief Technology Officer leaves, denouncing centralized token and former colleagues. That's right, people. This was uh, May the 13th, today, 2019, at 4.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Lucian Chen has left his role as CTO of Tron. The foundation behind the blockchain confirmed to the block. The foundation did not expand on the reasons behind the sudden exit. Chen's departure was first made public on Friday in a Medium post. He claims he resigned after two years masterminding the technology because of irreconcilable contradictions between himself and CEO Justin Sun, and because Tron's level of decentralization and usability fell short. Quote, as a technical man, I feel very sad that the, that the Tron has departed from the faith of decentralized, decentralized the web. The real internet applications cannot function in Tron network at all currently. He added, quote, the spirit of the blockchain is decentralized while Tron project is centralized, end quote. Chen said he was now going to build a new Tron. <laughs> He can't make this shit up, guys. Chen said he was now going to build a quote-unquote new Tron called Project Volume Network. Ugh. He has written a white paper for volume focused on being truly decentralized with a new consensus mechanism. Sources in the region have confirmed his plans. So, yeah, that's it. But uh, note that he already has published a white paper which means that we don't know how long he has basically been just giving the finger to Justin Sun and Tron while collecting a paycheck all the time that he was there. Because that that white paper, unless he, well, uh, uh, hijacked it from somebody else like the original Tron white paper did, um, you know, he would have had to have sit down and and actually think about it and, and write it. So he was doing so while he was working at Tron. So all you Tron bag holders just realize you might want to dump that shit. Anyway, that, that there's your smoldering pile for the day. Okay, so Satoshi's treasure. Uh, first, this article out of Coindesk. $1 million Bitcoin scavenger hunt attracts 60,000 digital sleuths and new investors. This uh, from Leah Cohen on May the 11th. Nothing brings Bitcoiners together like a quest peppered with cryptographic clues. According to Satoshi's Treasure co-creator Eric Meltzer, <clears throat> or yeah, Meltzer of Primitive Ventures, so far nearly 60,000 people have signed up for notifications related to the international scavenger hunt for $1 million worth of Bitcoin. On Saturday at the Magical Crypto Conference in New York, Meltzer and the team revealed yet another clue, a series of cryptographic images and other hints hidden on business cards distributed at the event. Nice. 
Uh, and as re- revealed exclusively to CoinDesk, a group of veteran crypto investors have pledged an undisclosed amount to fund future games and campaigns. Well, of course, they're not stupid. I mean, it, I, if, it, uh, hopefully you guys see the writing on the wall here. These sponsors include Naval Ravikant, Balaji Srinivasan. Sorry, guys, I'm butchering your name. I don't mean to. It's not on purpose. Mark Pincus, Andrew Lee, IDO, Collab Ventures, Nick Carter, Matt Walsh, Meltem Demirs, uh, Lee Jolai, Jihan Chu, and Sam Engelbart. Wow, that's a hell of a list of names, man. Quote, I'd say Satoshi's treasure is so exciting because it is, it's the pure joy of a treasure hunt, end quote. Carter told Coindesk, it's global and anyone can participate. Meanwhile, many have formed online teams to collect the 400 key fragments required to remove the prize from the game's Bitcoin wallet, Meltzer said. Yet, even the dynamics of these teams highlight how Bitcoiners are unique compared to other online gaming communities. For example, software engineer John Cantrell cracked the code for one of the first key fragments and promptly detailed on both Twitter and GitHub how he managed to do it. Quote, for me, it's really all about education, Cantrell told Coindesk. Since then, Cantrell also joined several teams and created a free tool called Ordo to help teams organize clues and fairly credit contributors to the hunt, which will come in handy for any winning team looking to divvy up the loot. Cantrell said, so far, the largest team using Ordo appears to have 600 members. My God. Another large team called the Magellan Clan told Coindesk via email it has 100 members from 30 countries. It even made a unique token to reward people beyond the team who provide tips. With so many players flocking to Satoshi's treasure, Cantrell isn't the only one making tools and services for other players. The 18-person Toshi Ciphers clan, for example, has launched a merchandise store for teams looking to make shirts and other swag. Toshi Ciphers clan members Devon Kramer told Coindesk they've had four orders for custom shirts so far. While many players in this game were, like Cantrell, already Bitcoin veterans, some gamers have been attracted to Satoshi's treasure by the collaborative play rather than the prize itself. Clues are spread both around the physical world and online, requiring a wide range of skills and languages for teams to be competitive. Quote, we have a couple of people who are new to cryptocurrency, didn't know much about blockchain, but... They were brought in by the hunt, Kramer said. Kramer's teammate, who goes by Yan, added, quote, I think we are playing the first great game of the augmented reality era. Probably, yeah, probably. So there you go. And uh, for the end, Satoshi's Treasure has indeed linked their next, or uh, uh, put their next clue. The, the hunter's key keys have been found. So this one is next up in the stack uh, for Satoshi's Treasure, Break beats on the beach. The last key was a bit of a trek for some hunters, but your help was greatly appreciated. Maybe now it's time to kick back with some tunes and relax a bit. The world is heating up all over, and it might be time for some beach time with blue skies. That said, a hunter is always hunting. So there you go for Satoshi's Treasure. Okay, not doing a bad joke cap for Terrible Joke Corner, but this one's pretty good. And it's old. My my God, this one, I remember this from when I was a kid. 
What's the last thing that goes through a bug's mind when it hits a windshield? It's butt. That is an old, old, old bad joke. Still a good one, though. All right, man, now I'm out. Uh, the, the neat thing that I came, you know, that we talked about today, aside from Satoshi's treasure, was all the adoption, uh, retail adoption that we're seeing and people paying for coffee and bananas and stuff with, you know, that's powered by, you know, Bitcoin and, and, and Flexa and people getting just like, it looked, it's, it's like Monday. And it's almost as if all this was coordinated around the start of consensus. And I don't know, I don't, you know, I, I, it, it just seems odd, but blockchain week in New York is apparently, uh, has cranked its engine up. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what other neat little nuggets falls out of that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, for those of you that are enjoying spring in New York and spring is a great time to be in New York city, man. I mean, it, it truly is. It's a thing that should probably never be missed ever under any circumstances. Um, also, the Satoshi's treasure thing and the fact that now there are uh, outside individuals that are uh, funding, that are going to fund future hunts. And <clears throat> personally, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, uh, that this could be applied to is doing hunts that are, that are com- you know, completely in meat space. But even further than just being in meat space is, uh, you know, getting, you know, setting these things up in national parks, uh, national wilderness areas, you know, things that are non-destructive, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, having to, you know, hike back into the backcountry, unless you have a reason, you know, unless you're a hiker at heart and, and, and that's what you do, chances are good. A lot of people will never see how beautiful some of this country is and some of their own countries because they just, eh, I don't want to get in a car. I don't want to camp. I don't want to, you know, do all this and do all that. And I don't want to be gone for a week. And the thought of not having a shower for seven days and all that shit just seem, I think is going to melt when there's a hundred thousand dollars sitting in a cave somewhere on some mountain. And it's going to take you and a group of people that are hopefully your friends, you know, two weeks to find. And along with, you know, a bunch of other people, if this happens, I want, you know, if that kind of thing were to come to fruition and I'd like to see it actually happen, I keep thinking about starting one myself, but I, I, I doubt that that would ever be able to happen. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I too can get funded. Nick Carter, if you're listening to this, give me some money and I'll figure out a way to do this in Southwest Colorado. Um, if you do go out, if these things do happen outdoors and they do get into national parks and they do get into wilderness areas, be the best Bitcoiner you can be and clean up after yourself. Don't leave your trash. Okay. If you pack it in, pack it out. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.